She is a serious sort of cumulus cloud, and that is why he loves her. She thinks, meditates, says complicated things, and he's drawn to her in ways he can't understand, like they're somehow meant to collide. That's fine by him. Very fine by him. It'd be pretty great, actually, because she is bold. She's white gold and fluffy in all the right places. He watches her morph into serious shapes, like dice, dental tools, weapons, the face of God. Do you think we have free will? She asks. Um, he says back and lets it hang. I'm just not so sure that I chose to float in this direction, she says. You know what I mean? He says he does. He doesn't. And why must we dissipate? She asks. He hopes she's being rhetorical. He hasn't the foggiest. They drift west-southwest, away from the sea. There are others around. A white armada charges up ahead. Creamy cirrus wisps strafe high. New clouds are born behind all the time. It's a messy sky, and it's loud. Everyone's got an idea, a philosophy. Everyone's trying to send their message to the ground in interpretive ephemeral dance. Everyone's trying not to rain or evaporate until they have to. But she and him make their own space, their own pocket of sky. And it somehow seems like it's just the two of them, floating very almost together through a spanking blue day. They seep closer together, but still do not touch. It's a magnificent day. It's a magnificent day, he says. And he's not wrong. She weakens the hold she has on her droplets, so as to be flattened by the wind, so as to cast a wider shadow onto the ground, so as to make a point. No, it isn't. It's obviously too hot, she says, feeling her edges begin to fade. You don't know what you're talking about. Some clouds might burn up at a line like that. Not him. So, he says, after a pause. Do you, um, do you float here often? They are made of ice crystals. Trillions of particles of water are burned out of the ocean. They ascend to the heavens on eddies of warmed air. Up high they cool, freeze, and there's so much less pressure. The world makes sense from up high. Those rarefied droplets swill together. They condense, they acquiesce, they become. And so white chariots ride through velvet skies. They carve through the blue.
there is drier in the west, and they will be torn apart, droplet by droplet. They cannot float forever and are destined, doomed, to disband and disperse and go to wherever it is that disparate, desperate specks of nothing go. Some are vaporized. Some float higher up, some rain down, some seep back into the water table and live to rise again. But it really is glorious up here, while it lasts. He has exactly zero idea about his impending doom, and that is why she loves him. He just is wide, weird, dim-witted, truly mindless, an oaf in the best way, but their trajectories will meet eventually, maybe soon, which she is glad about even if it wasn't her decision. He's nice. She watches amazed as he morphs breezily into whatever arbitrary shapes the shifting winds and atmospheric pressures determine. Like rabbits, love hearts, dragons, arrows, horses, angels, symbols, spaceships, words. The air is getting drier, she says. Very soon we will go. Can you feel the sun's burning rays? Oh yeah. He says, they tickle. She hates this answer. It's also the best thing she's ever heard. She hasn't existed for very long, though. Should we reign together? She asks. Take some control back. Fuck this slow fade bullshit. We could dump ourselves down right now, empty ourselves out, return to the dirt. Maybe we'd be together down there. They float in silence for a time. Well, I've heard that there's a paradise in a world beyond this world, he says, forgetting that she'd heard that too from the pontificating cumulonimbus hippie up ahead. But I've heard that if you endure the sun and evaporate, you'll be reformed in a cloudy utopia for all eternity. So, um, maybe we should do that. She had the ability to stop and look at him, dumbfounded and sad. She would. But all she can really do is brood as she floats. You don't really believe that shit, do you? She asks. There is an awful silence between them. Um, he whispers. And they don't decide. The air changes all of a sudden and they must split, fray, dissipate. They are fragmented into wisps. What they were is lost. And as their sundered ice crystals float on, west, southwest, parts of what was her float through parts of what was him. Il est entré dans mon cœur, il 
le pauvre bonheur dont je connais la cause. That was a spanking blue day, a refreshingly brief, for me at least, fourth episode of the third season of These Stories Are Not Real. I really like this story. Uh, it was actually originally written for my friends Cameron and Kieran, who run the uh, incredible, bespoke, hand designs, hand printed, sustainable clothing brand, Lossless Goods. I'll link their Instagram and website in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, a- a- an excerpt from this story appeared on the sleeve of one of their t-shirts in one of their collections, which is just, uh, I-, I thought was really cool, uh, and a wildly ambitious crossover, you know? We haven't seen that kind of worlds colliding since, um, I don't know, cheesy Vegemite, I guess. Uh, the narrative arc of season three of These Stories Aren't Real is continuing on its upward trajectory. Last week we were on the ground, this week we're in the stratosphere, next week we're going to space. Really fun episode, so I hope you can uh, join me for that. But until then, I'll leave you with this reminder that Edith Piaf can make anything seem tragic. Thanks for listening. Je vais te faire une chanson bleue. Oh, it started raining. And where is my stapler? And it somehow seems like it's just the two of them. Floating very almost together through it. Email. Fee increase at my super fund. Mm. A, pontific- a pontificating cumulonimbi. A, pontific- a pontificating cumulonimbus hibi up. Hibi. Jesus. That's the easiest word of the three.